Hey everyone, and welcome to the Darkcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Miley, and this is DCI number 73. In this episode, Brian and I talk to Seth Fandetti, who is the uh, CEO of Embers, and uh, they recently launched a new haptic feedback unit called CoreFX. Uh, CoreFX is a vest that you wear that uh, helps you feel the sounds of, uh, of video games and really anything because it, it uses audio uh, to kind of uh, create the sensation, and it sounds really awesome. I really want to get one, uh, so uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy the conversation. Uh, if you want to find out more about CoreFX or DarkStation, head on over to DarkStation.com. The show notes to this page will have links to Immerse's Facebook, Twitter, uh, all that kind of good stuff. And of course, you'll find links to be able to purchase a CoreFX for yourself. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at DarkStation underscore com. And you can always subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. We are the DarkCast. And if you would give us a review, we would be so appreciative. And finally, if you want to send us an email, you can do that at podcast at darkstation.com as always thank you for listening now on with the show For sitting down with us tonight and talking about Core FX, how are you doing? I'm doing great, guys, and uh, thanks so much for having me. It really is a pleasure for us to uh, be talking to you and tell you all about what we do. Awesome, fantastic! Now you said that uh, it's eight o'clock where you are before the interview proper started. Where are you actually located? So right now, uh, CarFX was originally based out of Cambridge, Mass. Um, that's where Sharyar Afshar, the uh, gentleman who founded the uh, uh, the product, was based out of. And we've recently moved in the last uh, month to Providence, Rhode Island. Okay, so sticking to the uh, the East Coast there. Cool. Yeah, yeah, it's a good location, and and the thing we loved about Providence was it's small. It's an up and coming city. Um, you have Brown University, RISD, a few other great colleges, and so there's some talent here. And uh, we like kind of the idea of uh, we're a startup, and Providence is in many ways technologically a startup city. So we hope to see it grow. Very cool. Very cool. Now I always feel kind of sorry for uh, people on the East Coast because we do our interviews at at 8 p.m. Um, at night, and it works great for people on the East Coast because it's right, right at the end of the day. It's five right. o'clock. It's it's eight o'clock for me and Brian. But uh, you know, we try to do that to accommodate the, the West Coast people because there's so many of them. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like you have us outnumbered. <laughs> you definitely have us outnumbered. But uh, but then you know it's it's just late for all of us tonight, so it, yeah. we'll make and, the most of it. And I apologize if you hear that our office phones are new and they and they just keep going off, so we're trying to get that under control. So I apologize. <laughs> it is all good. It's all good. It's uh, you know it's part of the the real life uh, developing. Exactly. Things. Yeah. There's no rehearsal here. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, so uh, how long have you guys actually been working on uh, CoreFX? So it's an interesting story. Um, CoreFX was originally founded, or the underlying company, Immers, uh, was founded probably eight years ago by a man named Sharyar Afshar. Now, Sharyar um, was a traveling professor. He had done some work with Harvard. He was a physicist. He has a background in neurology. He has a lot of different backgrounds. Very, very smart guy. Um, he was the original concept behind this. And there's several articles out there about uh, you know how we found it, so I won't get into that in too much detail. But basically, it was because uh, he was studying in the dorms um, one 
one time, and and really all these guys were playing FPS shooters, and he said, hey, you know, there's got to be a better way. Why are they turning up the volume so loud? And he, he said, well, really, it must be because they're trying to feel the bass, and and that's kind of the initial concept. <laughs> and, and and what that sparked in his head was more than the vest. We didn't know about the vest obviously eight years ago, but it it, it sparked this thought off in his head about. Hey, you know, you have sound and you have your body and you have different transducers and different things you can do. What if there's a way to harness that energy and sound versus vibrating motors and to kind of use that in a variety of different applications? So that's how Immerse got started. Um, he worked on the project for a while and as a startup had to acquire some funding to kind of get it off the ground. Um, went through some prototypes and if you look on the internet or on a Kickstarter, you'll see that it dates back to, you know, the earliest prototypes for the vest were in 2010. Uh, quite a while ago, and we first went to uh, the company itself went to E3 back in 2010, and it got a lot of press and it got a lot of hype. Um, but being that Shariar was a, um, a very, um, how do I say this, astute kind of professor of, of what worked and what didn't, and, and being in the educational mindset, he really saw some initial flaws with the first prototypes. And even though there were so many people that wanted him to get it off the ground at that point, he was smart enough to kind of say, look, it doesn't fit all body types. It kind of moves when you have it on. It's really not perfected as far as the algorithms that go into this and how it works. I'm going to take some time with it. Well, in startup terms, it was a long time. You know, five years, I think anyone would say, well, oh, my God, you guys have been working on it forever. Uh, but initially, it was it's really him and a small group, small team that were, were being funded and, and had to bring this to fruition. And it took a lot, a lot of research. So. I, I think people found that out through a Kickstarter. I think some of the initial thoughts were, hey, you know, we've heard that, you know, people on the internet say, oh, they just trapped, uh, you know, subwoofers to a vest and that's all it is. And then <laughs> I think they saw there was a lot more to it than that. Um, there was a lot of research and a lot of development that went into making a product uh, that is core effects. And that, and that is something we're really proud of because it took a long time. Um, I, I came on board the company around nine months ago, um, I took over as CEO, and Sherriar is still on board the company as our CTO, and we have a great relationship. And, and, the, and part of this process has been a learning evolution, and it's really been fun to see where we came from so long ago, and then starting the vest five years ago, and now actually seeing it, it's available now after a great Kickstarter, and then eventually going to retail. Very cool, very cool. Now, uh, you guys, as you mentioned, had a Kickstarter, and that was earlier this year, uh, and that's yeah. That's pretty long into the process uh, of making yes. <laughs> uh, the core effects. What kind yes. of uh, prompted the, the Kickstarter at that well, point? Well, uh, as you know, for any startup, uh, it's challenging to with fun, funds-wise. And it's challenging to um, to kind of raise those last dollars you need because you go through a couple of rounds of funding and you find out research and development and manufacturing and building prototypes can be very expensive. And we had some need for funding at the end just to kind of finish things up. And there were two kind of routes we could go. One was saying, hey, we could reach out back out to the investment community or we looked at crowdfunding. And, and we really liked the crowdfunding aspect for a really big aspect of it because, um, you know, I think if you look at our company philosophy, our company philosophy, and especially something that I embrace, I'm a gamer, just to let you know. I mean, I may be the CEO of this company. I'm in my late 30s, but I can tell you that I've been gaming my whole life, and it's something I thoroughly enjoy. And I think everyone that is part of this feels the same way. And we feel the community was a huge part of this. And we knew that 
Kickstarter had this unbelievable community that people not only backed projects, but they really got on board with the whole mindset of a project and wanted to make a project better. So it wasn't so much as they were expecting this absolutely perfecting product. What they wanted to be on the ground level of something that was cool and starting out and something they felt that they could contribute their knowledge of products and, and help us grow as a company. So this was like a no-brainer because you had that aspect of it and then you had the, the, also the aspect that we could raise the money that we needed if it was successful uh, and people telling us that they wanted it so encouraged us uh, to be successful and when it was founded, it was, uh, I'm sorry, funded, it was great for us because it showed us that the people were involved, they were dedicated, they wanted to make a difference with it and it was something we felt we could grow as a company in general. Very cool. Uh, now you mentioned that that you're a, a gamer. Have you worked into? Excuse me. Have you worked in the games industry kind of before this or? No, you know I think you have to be very fortunate to start that way. I actually started <laughs> off as an engineer. Um, I was an engineer for a few years and um, in, in different programming languages, and then I moved into marketing right away and uh, became a, a director of a very large uh, travel industry, and I was in there for about 10 years in, uh, at a travel company, and then I went into biotech for a little while, um, and then about three and a half years ago, I started my own uh, marketing firm, which I still have and is run by my partner right now, and we were doing really well in the space, but I never dabbled in the in the um, in the gaming industry, but you know, much along the lines of traditional marketing or product or anything you do in the business world, there's always uh, parallels and crossovers. And when I had the opportunity um, to come on board with Corifex, it was great for me because I, I really understood the vertical. I understand uh, what the gamers were looking for and some of the challenges they had seen with the big companies out there and how they weren't feeling heard. And I thought that Corifex, being a, a small company and a startup, really had the chance to start from the ground up, uh, being customer service centric, working with the gamers to develop the vest and the SDK and continuing that motto throughout the life cycle of the product. Very cool. Now, you mentioned that uh, for a long time it was uh, Mr. Afshar uh, working on the uh, core effects with a, a small group of people, but it's still pretty small. What? How big is Immers? I mean, you know, at the time, well, the way the company is set up is that at the time when he was working on it, you know, he was obviously doing all of the work, but he had people helping him and build prototypes and people helping him on the business end. Um, lately, it's become more of an actual company. So, you know, we have myself at the head and Sherryar. Uh, we have a number of business partners that have invested in the company and also help us with day-to-day -day business operations. And so, you know, the staff is very versatile. Um, that we have right now and we also have a great customer support team consisting of uh, two or three people that are led up by uh, uh, great uh, Jessica who's our customer service manager and she's all over the forums and all in our videos and, and she's been a great help and she's very young and she's uh, very aggressive in this and loves the product as well so we, we're kind of a hodgepodge mixed together team um, but it's starting now that we have an official office and we have official space and we're all kind of being together it's, it's actually grown into a kind of a family so you know we're pieced out but it's a lot a lot of fun because you know there's very few jobs when you walk in in the morning your product is uh, making a game or say your job is making a gaming product which i think everybody would love to do and so that's why we take it so seriously because you know this is fun this is something everyone should want to do very cool so you started out you you established for us that <clears throat> the vest is not a bunch of subwoofers just strapped to a vest and on right. a chest. Right. Um, what for those who don't no, know, that what could is be pretty cool. Th that that sounds heavy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Both, it, it, both in tone and form. Right. <laughs> so, right. Uh, for what for those who don't know, what is um, the Corfex vest? So, what, so what experience are they they going to be in for? 
Absolutely. So, so CoreFX, the way we describe it, is a hap- uh, well, an immersive gaming vest. And what does that mean? Yeah. Um, the, technolo- <laughs> the technology is really that we have a vest that we've designed to be extremely – just take the vest, for example – extremely ergonomic and lightweight. It's around two and a quarter pounds. Um, it's very lightweight when you wear it. And you can wear it for long periods of time, and, and it's very comfortable. That was the first and foremost was form factor. Um, you know, one of the things when you look at – something that you're going to wear as a gamer and me being a gamer i'm a pc gamer and sitting in my chair is some time you know four or five hours at a clip to play a game like recently i've been kind of addicted to far cry and you know the new far cry trying that out when i have time it is something that it has to be comfortable because if it's not comfortable i'm going to wear it so that was number one ergonomics we looked at the second part of that was how does it function what does it do so we have a set of haptic speakers as we call them or transducers these transducers aren't off the shelf. They are built by Charrier. He came up with the way to build them, and he came up with the, the specs for building them. And they're custom built by, by uh, a factory that we have that works with us. And they're basically made to help the sound that – well, I, let me rephrase that. It's basically meant to uh, translate the haptic audio that is coming through the vest uh, into your body. So if you look at the whole process, what happens is you have audio that comes out of any device. You have a PC, an Xbox, console, whatever it may be. As the audio comes out, we intercept it. Okay, We have a dongle. Now, right now, it works off a 3.5 millimeter output. In the future, we may have digital out. We may have other options. But right now, from the Kickstarter, that's the way it works. It takes 3.5 millimeter audio, which is very common to gamers because we're all into headphones. And we know a lot about 3.5 millimeter audio, your iPad, your iPod. They all have these things. It goes into what we call our wireless dongle. Uh, The dongle intercepts uh, the audio. And then we have a series of algorithms in that dongle. There are over a million lines of code. What that does, okay, is breaks down the audio signal and looks at all the different frequency ranges and all the different inputs that's coming into it and tries to decipher and make sense of it. And it does it pretty well, okay? And it's kind of a little secret recipe uh, that we use in there. But when it comes out, it's in wirelessly transmitted into the vest where our custom haptic speakers pick that up and translate that into feeling. Okay, and how that works is it's kind of hard to uh, do this over Skype, but if you guys were to place your arms crossed over your chest, if you can do that for me, and if you loudly said one, two, three, okay, can you try that? Sure. Uh, in unison, we're saying one, two, three. Is that how this works? Yeah. So, okay. so put your hands over your chest, right? Put them right, right over your chest so that your fingertips are touching your shoulder blades, okay? And I want you to both say one, two, three. One, one two, two, three. Oh, yeah, that shakes. Okay, okay. okay. You feel the vibration? I got you. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, so that's your limbic system. So there is a whole nerve structure in your chest. And this is why Charrier is you know, very much a genius for figuring this out. There's this nerve structure. And that nerve structure helps you identify self. So when you talk, one of the ways your body knows how loud you're talking besides your ear is how much vibration is coming from that center of your chest. It's built into us since, we were, you know, since humans evolved. And so it's a natural nerve center there that he kind of tapped into and said, hey, you know, if we could harness a way to basically take our transducers and through very special frequencies, after altering them through a very special algorithm, basically, you know, send this wave out to your chest, it would feel a lot more intense than two small haptic filters. If you look at the, the speakers we use, the transducers, they're only about, you know, a little bit bigger than a quarter. But it's amazing the feeling you get from them, even at that size. And I think our Twitter and, um, you know, the forums are good testimonial to that effect of what people are feeling on there. It's very different than you would perceive if you haven't tried it. Um, So it creates a really emotional, it creates a connection to the game. And then I, I think that's where you go from the technical to, well, how does it 
what does it really make you do and why would you wear this? Well, when the concept came up with this, I think a lot of people thought, uh, you know, well, I, we don't understand how this would work with games. Because we use audio, we can work with anything. Now, it, it, is it better for some things than it is for other things? Naturally. But that's part of the fun of it. Um, we have so many adjustments built into the vest from the filter sets to the intensity levels, to the audio input levels, to different zoom levels, um, that when you bring the vest home, sure, it'll work out of the box. Anybody can just take it out of the box and plug it in and go, hey, this is, this is really cool. And a lot of people do. But we've built in that kind of tweaking ability for another type of user. And that user is guys who really like having the ability to go further and customize it for their experience. And we're finding that a lot of people love to do that. They're sharing and they're collaborating. So you can use it with anything it's your choice and then you can customize it to the level you want but the overall direction of what are you accomplishing is a real sense of immersion with your media you know traditionally you have monitors have been getting better you have devices like the oculus rift you have devices like uh, morpheus by sony you have all these devices out there that are for vision and they're for helping you visually immerse yourself and you have all these devices uh, as far as peripherals and mouses and keyboards and they're you know they're getting your hands involved and doing all these other kind of things but with You've never really been able to feel the game other than a rumble pack on a 360 or an Xbox One controller or PS controller. So we're trying to bring that level to you. Okay. And I know that's a lot. So I apologize. <laughs> it's a lot of information there, and I and I guess I, I get excited about it. But but there's a lot lot to it, you know. More than I, I think. Tr- what we try to steer people away from is people see us, and when the initial reaction we'll get sometimes is, oh oh cool, it's a rumble pack. And that's where we try to say, no, it's a lot more than a rumble pack. But if you took it, if it's just what it is, you might think that, you know? Well, I'm sure the first thing everybody goes for is when you, you know, when you see it's like a, a haptic vest where it, it translates that sound into feeling is they're like, okay, so I'm going to put this on while I'm playing Call of Duty. And I'm not going to say that I'm bad, but I'm going to say that I'd probably get a lot of use out of those speakers. <laughs> um, right, right, right. First question is, am I going to leave that experience bruised because of <laughs> no. my ability? No. Second question, um, how do you tell, how does it, like, obviously you can't get into the real dynamics, but um, it, it's it's going to be able to tell between, like, what I, when I'm firing and when somebody else is firing into me. Yes. So let me answer them both. First, you won't okay. leave it bruised, I promise you. Yes. Um, it is not, um, I would describe the feeling as a moderate intensity. There's a reason for that. Again, it goes back to ergonomics, right? If we just loaded the desk up, like people say, well, why don't you have, you know, uh, transducer on the back and on the front and on the sides and everywhere? Well, first off, technically it works better, a lot better where, the, where they sit now. They've been designed that way to work with the Olympic system, which is a whole other complicated thought process, so we won't go there. But let's just say they work better. Now, we could add more, and maybe we will. But the problem is it goes down to comfort. It also goes down to comfort when you talk about intensity. If we make it too intense, you're going to wear it for a little while and go, Great, I got this whole effect right away. You really shocked me, and wow, that's cool, but I can't wear this for a six-hour gaming session. This, this it's just works. I'm never putting this on again. Right, it's like, <laughs> or it works. It's like it's so intense that you're like, I get it. It would be great in arcade because they wear it for three minutes. No, this is meant for someone that wants to play for a long period of times. Mm. Um, the second part of your question is that, you know, okay, I'm playing Call of Duty. How does it know? It, it, it's complicated, but it knows through frequency ranges and through what's, what it's hearing and, and how it deciphers that. It, is it perfect? That's where you come in. Um, we've gone into a level where it's really good. 
where the adjustments on the vest come in is where you can make it perfect for you. So let me give you an example. Um, when you get the vest out of the box, it works great with all these different things. And as we said, you can adjust it. Well, I use TeamSpeak all the time, right? So when I'm on TeamSpeak and if I'm playing a game, um, I hear, obviously, TeamSpeak coming through my headset and through the dongle. So I can tweak it, and I've learned how to tweak it so I filter out talking, okay? Okay, good, because I was going to say, I, I, I also spend a lot of time with, uh, like, uh, you know, Ventrilo and that kind of right. thing. Right. And I talk to a lot of loud people, so I am also very loud. So if their <laughs> shouting turned into <laughs> right. my chest exactly. hurting, there was going to be a problem. Exactly. So you can filter it. Now, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that if somebody screams, will it not come through? No, it might come through, but yeah, it'll yeah, be yeah. so okay. subtle you won't notice. So it, part of the fun of it is the tweaking. And we have what we call – I've actually um, engaged with two – and we've labeled them corn effects, uh, you know, enthusiasts. And basically I have a person in the Netherlands who I've known for many years and, and game with. And he does really great reviews and understands products. And I have a person in Australia that does the same. And basically, they have been on our forums kind of writing about, hey, here's my experience with TeamSpeak. Here's my experience with different games. Here's the settings I use. And they're trying to help people get those you know, basic guides to understand that there's a lot more to it and tweak it. So we're really trying to engage the user community. Um, that's one of our biggest parts to us is like, let's look at the users. Let's see what they think, what they don't like, what they like. And then we know how to build better version twos and the improvements we need to make. Very cool. Now, the the tweaking that you do to it, is that through a computer interface? Is it on the, the vest itself? How does that kind of work? Okay, so the, so the dongle itself actually has a line-in adjustment, which means the audio coming from the wire, obviously, audio computer or console, whatever it may be. Um, and it also has an intensity adjustment that adjusts basically um, – I'm sorry. I, sorry, it's hard without uh, physically being able to show you guys. But the line-in is basically your intensity adjustment. And then the line-out goes to your headphones. I misspoke. The line-out goes to your headphones and adjusts how loud the volume is. Okay, so, so those are the two. But they're very important how they play a role together because how much volume you let it through. If you almost think of a river going down and, and CoreFX is essentially the dam, we're damming up all the audio and then deciding how much we're going to let out to your headphones, how much goes into the dongle for intensity purposes. Um, and then on top of that, on the vest, you have several different controls. You have a left-right balance. You have a zoom effect, uh, which is kind of hard to explain, but basically uh, the range at which things occur are almost like the distance from which you can feel them at. Um, we have several different intensity levels and then several different filter frequencies on top of that. So it, I haven't done the permutations, but it, you know, I'm sure if you uh, combine them all up and, and figure out how many different adjustments there are, there's a lot. Um, but what I will say is that people tend to find their own niche. You know, It doesn't take overly long to do it it's it's something that you're going to play with for a week and say okay you know this is kind of how i like it set up for different games and, and get that um we are looking for you know just to um give you a little tidbit but in the version two which obviously uh is, is still a ways off but one of the things we already realized and we realized this for a while now we just didn't have really the uh the resources to do with it for the initial product is building in digital controls that will let you save save it so once you have your you know oh, i really like this for far cry for example i can click a button save a preset and then maybe download someone else's preset so those are definitely options we're looking into and trying to figure that path out so right now it is more of a manual process but it's still a lot of fun and it's almost like a, a good DSLR. You know, with a good DSLR, you get pretty good with using a camera and you can switch the settings quickly. That's kind of what we've noticed people do. Okay. Very cool. That sounds neat, especially when you get to uh, to something like that where it can be very technical. Um, but, you know, the, com the community plays such a big part with that. 
and to have people that already that are so excited for the product that they're kind of digging deep down and doing the work so others can go, you know what, I just want a real simple experience and then go here, this is the best way to get that experience from it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's been great. I mean, it's really fun working with the community, and that's one of the reasons we, we did, uh, you know, our Twitter is always buzzing, and our forums are always buzzing, and, and our Facebook, uh, we're new to Facebook. I mean, it wasn't our main priority. A lot of gamers aren't there anyway, so we found Twitter and our forums were better, but it's great seeing the community come together, and, and that leads us into the SDK, which, you know, we are going to have an SDK. It, it, it You know, we're in the very early stages and trying to figure that out. Um, it is uh, new ground to us, but working with some great people uh, right now to help build out an SDK. And we're excited about that because now you get not only get the enthusiast from the level of tweaking and adjusting for the game, but now you get the counterspective of that you get the uh, game developer who says, hey, I'd love to see what we can do with this thing. And I can tell you that, you know, this, this vest works incredibly well with, without an Oculus or without any VR device. I mean, it, it works superb. And all of the media you'll see out there, a lot of people don't have that on because primarily the people that buy it don't have those things. And, and that's why it's so much fun. It gives you that immersion into things without having to buy them. But if you do are lucky enough to have a, an Oculus or any of the VR technologies out there, um, I can tell you it is a remarkable experience. Um, when you have the vest on and you have VR goggles and you're playing a horror game and you step into that world, and you can feel it, and you know you're not seeing the vest anymore because you're in the goggles. It is really a remarkable experience, and that is one thing um, that we're really enjoying. We actually had just a little side story when we were at um, CES last year, and we were in closed door meetings. We didn't have a booth there, but we were meeting with some people. We went down and next, uh, met the guys from Virtuix Omni who have the treadmill, hmm. and so we actually took the treadmill. Uh, we took the vest and we took the Oculus together, and it was one oh, of the most man. fun things any of us had done. And we were walking through, and they had a gun. I'm not sure if it's the Delta Six, but it was some type of gun that was connected, and I don't know the name of it. And they were actually walking through in a uh, um, uh, a Half Life. Uh, demo and shooting feeling it running and seeing it through vr goggles and they were like this is the coolest thing this is what we all dreamed about in the 80s if you were you know old enough to remember that <laughs> very nice Ooh, i remember playing with uh it had it was in like it was bayside miami and they had the vr and i used the bunny rabbit ears with that booth where they had the huge headset thing that you put on that weighed like 25 yeah. pounds that lurched your head to one side and like right. a little plastic gun they'd give you and that was fantastic it was blocky and it was ugly as all get out but it was it was absolutely fantastic especially as a kid going oh my god this is the future we live in and then that goes away and you don't see it again forever yeah, and you uh, but, can't forget Virtual Boy either. What was that? Nintendo made that. And oh, yeah. That, oh, that, yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. That was hysterical, but they did look cool. When people saw those Virtual Boy glasses, they were like, wow, you're really into stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, what are you doing? Everything's <laughs> red. What's going on? Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, absolutely. So, like, like uh, the uh, you know, the, the first thing you think about, I think, with the vest is definitely kind of like the shooting aspect. And then you get into the whole VR thing, and you're like, well, okay, well, this – we're slowly getting to, like – hollow deck levels of innovation here yeah. where we're actually going to be there we're going to be able to feel it i think the next step is we need to find some way to integrate hands into it to actually get them out there and like you know feeling and touching things that aren't there and then it, we'll be able to just stay in our houses for the rest of our lives and it's such an incredible ride and it's an interesting community because a lot of people uh have been naysayers for so long on vr technology which i i, I understand why uh, but you know, you see a lot of people posting about, oh, it'll never work, and you know, it, it's come, it's taken a long time, but we're it's actually baby the, steps. It's baby steps, and you're exactly right. And and even with the vest, we know we've said this from day one. This vest is not absolutely perfect, 
but we're really happy with it. And we know it can go leaps and bounds. You know, one of the first things we're at E3, people said, oh, this lets you feel when you get shot. And we said, well, no, it actually doesn't. And why? Why is that? We said, well, think about your Call of Duty game or most shooters. When you get shot, generally you fall on the ground. There's no big sound effect with that, right? So mm-hmm. the vest doesn't even register. This is more about everything else from shooting yourself to doors closing or wind blowing or footsteps. Mm-hmm. We try to really give you – like in Counter-Strike Source, it's, one, it's still one of my favorite games. I'm a big Source player. It's amazing to me when I use the vest because I can actually be in the middle of the courtyard, not even paying attention, and start to feel shots to my right or left. Now, if I was in a busy room or a land party, I may not hear those, even with great headphones. I may not feel those subtle taps. The vest now alerts me to those taps. So does it make me a better player? Probably not because my reaction time, I'm getting old, my attacking time slow. But you there still are have to people, spin around. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are people that would make a better player. Me, yeah. it's going to be, yeah, you're going to shoot me anyways. But, but I'm having fun. You're just giving me a heads up that it's coming, and that's cool. Exactly. That's like, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's a real that's a real neat concept. With the, how does it manage to give you kind of that 360 feel with just the two speakers in the front? All right, so this people get that asked a lot, and I always refer to this way: Have you ever wore a good set of headphones, and they only have two speakers? That's right? That's true. Okay, yes, it's yes, the same that's thing. Okay, okay, and like kind of like a sound bar, I guess that you'd throw in front yeah. of your TV. Yeah, and you'd it's hear the same it's, thing, it's bouncing the sound. And that's why I can okay. tell you, my friend, that's where that million line of codes came in because a lot of that, that code um, is to decipher uh, sound. And not only from, okay, is he shooting or is it – it's really about also directionality. How do you build that into two things that are sitting on the front of your chest, much like a sound bar? And that's why they're so complicated to make. Um, you know, five years worth of complications, but but when you put it on, um, you start to feel that. Now, is it perfect? Again, we always go back to this. It is not perfect. You will find flaws. Some people may put it on and say, no, I don't feel it the same way they do. A common one we get is, well, I feel like I get stabbed in the back. And we say, no. I mean, unless your mind puts you there. You know, we can give you the audio cues, but unless your mind is really understanding that audio cue and translating to I just got stabbed in my back, you won't feel it. So so we know there's work to be done and we never claim to be perfect. What we say is, hey, you know, out of Kickstarter, we know we're at the we're at a good place where if you get this, we think you're really gonna love it. And I think, you know, uh all the reviews and the the people that have been talking about it would, would help us push that point because we want we want to make sure the community knows this is not a gimmick. It's a really uh vetted project that we've been working on for a long time. And that sounds like it's also it with the way that the um the dongle is designed and the the fact that the 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 speakers themselves are proprietary that sounds like there's a lot of work that can also be done on just like uh the coding and software side of it to make things better so as you guys learn and as you pick up new tricks that that's something that can be downloaded under the dongle where a whole replacement isn't necessary once you invest in the best yeah so so currently to be honest with you the way it works is the dongle we released now so anytime you know we found out a lot about manufacturing and it's it's about flash memory and there's a lot to it there's a lot to it and it was a whirlwind process and one of the things we did with the first version, um, it, the dongle, it, it can be upgraded, but it would be somewhat difficult to upgrade the firmware. Okay. We, haven't figured, we haven't figured that out completely, and I'm not outruling it. I'll just say the way we designed the first one, it may be a little tricky. However, we're already planning. So the vest is you know, the expensive part. The dongle's less money to actually make than the vest is. And we've tried to price the whole package really affordably at 150 I mean, I think that if you look at what you're getting in this um, – it's very affordable, and, and believe me. Well, especially uh, when you consider that you you know a real good pair of headphones is going to run you anywhere between like eighty and one hundred and twenty bucks. Yeah, one hundred and fifty yeah. for a whole vest mock-up doesn't sound that bad. 
And we did that because, you know, we, again, cut into our own uh, profits because it, it's about getting it out there. It's about people experiencing it, and, and we want more people to experience it than trying to have some ridiculous price point. But also the dongle, uh, because of that, is, is a lesser component that we can make and we're working to make cheaper and we're working to make it better. And so it gives you the ability. Well, let's say I had two vests. I had one for a friend, you know, a friend or family, and I have my own or even one vest and I've invested in it. You know, there is the possibility where we can come out with an upgrade to the dongle that gets you a lot more. Uh, capabilities to it, uh, but it's really reasonably priced, so you get an upgrade with a dev kit in it or whatever it may be and all these other additional features that have program memories and presets, but you didn't have to buy the whole vest again. It's still going to work with your vest, you know? Very cool. So, um, so essentially kind of like upgrading the, the dongle instead of uh, yeah, upgrade yeah. the whole package. Because I'll put it this way. The transducers are great. I mean, the mm-hmm. transducers have been working for three to four years. The, those took a long time to perfect. Those went back to the eight-year period, to be truthful. And our Kickstarter's got great pictures of it if you see the older models. But those are still the same transducers. And they work extremely well. Now, are we going to upgrade those eventually? Yeah, ab- ob- absolutely. But right now, we know they have a bit of a shelf life because they're performing so well for us, especially the newer models that we're producing. So the dongle is really the one thing that you say, well, there's a lot you could do from different compatibility to Bluetooth to whatever it may be and really build in a lot more options than that and without having to invest in a new vest. Hmm. Do you foresee doing any, um, I don't know, like add-ons um, to the vest so that, you know, if you've got the the, the base, the, the core effects vest, could you get additional stuff or is it all kind of centered around the uh, kind of what you've got now? Do you think you'd have other body parts in which you could add? I, you know, I... We've had people ask that, and I and I think it's to be completely honest with you guys, it's really a decision that the market will dictate. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said before at the beginning of the conversation, you know, we could add a lot more transducers and and basically be wired up like RoboCop, and we could do a lot of things. <laughs> um, but we have to look at what the majority of our gamers want because the majority is really going to dictate the direction we go in. Um, I think there's always going to be those people who want a certain effect that that's going to be crazy and have all these things, and they want that insane intensity. Um, but I think the majority of people really just have like having this versatility because, you know, you can have the best technology in the world if it's not comfortable to wear. And I think that's pro- part of the problem with wearables is they're just not comfortable. Hmm. Um, so we, we, our, one of our goals is equally as important as how it performs is how comfortable it is. It has to be comfortable. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I think if you just tell people that, you know, you're going to dress them up like RoboCop, then you'll get most of the people on board with it, though. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> I naturally, I mean, yeah, bad example. (laughs) So I I guess this is probably my most important question of the night. If it's been a long, stressful day, can I put on the core effects, play a video game in it, give me a massage? Okay. Uh, (laughs) So so let's think about that. No. Okay. What you could do, and I'm going to tell you one of the things that actually is very, very relaxing. Classical music through the Corifex Fest because it does work with music and it does work with movies. And I can tell you classical music, you can actually feel the piano notes. You can actually feel the strings. And I know it's maybe uh, – I, I enjoy classical music when I'm working and I get really stressed out. It helps me relax. And I do listen to it. The other thing I'll tell you is that – one of the best experiences I've had with the vest is watching Saving Private Ryan with it. It was mm-hmm. a truly um, groundbreaking experience for me because the video games are great. But, but watching a movie like Saving Private Ryan and there's a scene in it where the tank comes rolling through the square. And 
I have never felt so connected to the movie. And I say this like it actually made me emotional because I could feel the ground vibrating and the vest resonated so well. And even in the first scene when he's jumping off and they're splashing in the water and he comes up, you felt the shots whizzing by his head. And it was the first time I'd ever had that connection into my movie other than being maybe in an IMAX or maybe in a Disney. But uh, if you guys you know, uh, do have the opportunity to try that, it's so cool. Awesome. I, I now really want to play um, Brothers in Arms with this. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. So ultimate, ultimate experience, ultimate movie experience wearing the Corfex, IMAX and D box, right? You know, you could. How long would it take me? How long would it take Michael Bay to make me pass out? I, I think. I think if we got <laughs> Michael Bay involved, and if we were ever lucky enough to do that, I, I think it would just be awesome. You know, it would just because that would be actually if there was a way you could somehow have your VR unit and the core effects and being an IMAX while the D box with the D box. I mean, you might just have all the, you need every sense stimulated, right? That would, yeah, that would be all of them. <laughs> the problem is I don't think I'd want to go back to normal life. That, yeah, that's you the can problem. Step out of that. Exactly. That's, right. That would be the end of it. It'd be always, always transformers or something. That's if you could live like that. Yeah. Uh, it'd be too I don't, yeah. I don't think that would be, uh, either you would never want to leave or it would just be kind of like overly traumatic and you would never want to go back. <laughs> it, would be, it would be one of the two. It would be one of the two. And, and you know, it's interesting because on, a, on another note, we've actually been talking to people that do research for the blind and people do research for the deaf. Both of those groups of people um, have either if you have hearing or sight loss, uh, they really rely on feel, you know, in both cases. And so we've been working with some of those groups, and hopefully that's something good we can do with the community um, and give back uh, later on. But we are, you know, that is something we follow up on. It's incredible. Uh, we had some gamers write us from Kickstarter and said, hey, you know, I, I have hearing loss from either the military or whatever it be. And um, we've sent some vests out to them through Kickstarter. And, uh, you know, it's been really great uh, hearing some people come back and say, wow, it's making a big difference. Because now, uh, before, I'd have to really crank things up loud to feel anything. And now I'm feeling the game around me. That's awesome. That's really cool. So, uh, second most important question of the night. Have you, well, actually this isn't. This is a, a precursor question. Have you read uh, Ready Player One? No, I have okay. not. So, the rest of the question really doesn't make any sense. But in that book, um, basically the, the whole world uses this giant MMO where everyone uses like haptic feedback suits where you're like hmm. suspended. And so you can do full body movement where it feels like you're there because you have haptics literally all over your body so when you push out your hands if there's a, a wall in the um in the world then the haptics will you know press on your hand to make it feel like you're pushing up against the wall uh how long do you think it will be before we're there wow that's a that's a really good question um I, I think that adoption right now is one of the most interesting factors of our business. I, I think that the technology has come so far and so fast. Um, but what I think is changing the mindset and uh, having people more open-minded to wearing peripherals when they game. Not just using peripherals, wearing them. Um, wearable technology is still very, very new. I think that Apple is uh, kind of opening the door as well as the VR community. They're coming out with a watch, which is, you know, okay, great. Um, it may not be everyone's taste, but it is wearable technology fashion. Mm -hmm. uh, the vest that we produce is definitely wearable technology, and so on VR goggles. And a lot of people, I think, have to get over this stigma of I'm not putting something on. I look at a screen or I look at a TV. 
But I think the youth of today, and by youth I mean the 12, 13-year-old, 14, they don't see that anymore. They just want to embrace it because that's what they see as awesome and cool. And I think it's the 20, 25-year-old range. They're kind of in that in-between. And then sometimes the older people just say, forget it. Um, so I think hopefully if it gets embraced, I mean, the technology is really there for that type of stuff. I hope – you know, when I'm 50, uh, you know, I'm 37 now. I hope when I'm 50 that we can start seeing some of those things. Cool. Sounds awesome. Isn't it strange, exciting future? <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, it's just so interesting for me uh, from a business aspect to see how people adopt things or choose not to adopt things. And especially with social media, it plays such a role in what we do. And, you know, um, I think social media has just it's been so interesting uh, to see people's reception. And I'll say that most people are good. Most people are really cool when they know you're trying to do something um, that, that isn't fake. And and for us, it's always been about, even through Kickstarter, communicating with people, say, look, this is what we're doing. We're going to try our hardest. We're going to work really hard. We think it's really cool. And we've had so much great support for the community. And, and if I could say anything about our company in general, and I've said this to all my staff and people who work here, I say, you know, it, it, without gamers, we don't exist. Without gamers liking what we do or helping us do it or contributing their ideas, we don't exist. So no idea is ever done. No idea can't be done. It's all a matter of treating them like we would want to be treated. And I, and I think that's the way you have to be because I see too many of the big name companies who I choose not to mention, but really just uh, you know ignoring the gamer. It's about the $60 they get or about this that they get. Sure. And, and if you don't embrace the gamers, eventually they just reject you. Sure. Very true. Now, um, obviously, the the Kickstarter has been, you know, it was successful. Uh, seems like that's been a, a really good experience. Had a, a great community kind of rise up um, around you. But what what's it been like, kind of going from such a, a long time in production, or I guess pre production, really, um, and actually going into you know bringing it to market. Um. It's been it's been interesting. Um, you know, it's been harder than we thought it was uh, naturally because you know when you start thinking of actually setting up your online store, people think, oh, it's really easy. You put up an online store, you take orders, and you ship product. Well, there's there's obviously a lot of things that entails around uh, you know getting a business set up like a fully functioning business with customer service uh, channels, with um, you know having the product coming over in a timely manner, uh, to having the product available for sale, and to know how to get it out there and tell the people what you're doing. So it's been really rewarding, but but challenging uh, nonetheless. And I've done it for other companies, but but with this one, um, you know, being starting off with nothing at all, it was uh, definitely a challenge. But now I will say it's going great. Um, you know, we we had a few hiccups, and I'm very honest with people, and you can read our Kickstarter comments around shipping. Um, you know, we had some problems on shipping, and it was frustrating to us. It was really frustrating. One of the problems is our our Kickstarter backers who bought internationally. Uh, we had a shipper that had mislabeled some of the labels without our knowledge, and they actually put double the price. So when these poor guys went and girls went to pay tax or VAT, they had to pay double. So we're in the process of, of reimbursing them for that tax. And that was a huge shipping problem. Not our fault, but again, you're the company. You take responsibility, as we did. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now, uh, obviously, getting our shipping times down. We do have plenty of units. Well, I shouldn't say that. We have enough units in stock, we think, for the holidays. We think. They're going really fast, which is a great problem. The, the, the bigger problem now is shipping them really fast. Um, and again, you think, well, you got a shipper. They just ship them out. 
delays. It always seems to be some delays. So we've gotten the shipping time down from around four days or five days now from the time you place an order to around two or three right now. So now we're trying to get it down to one day. And that, that's why my current challenge every day when I come into work is to working with the shipper and finding out why some of these orders delayed. Is it bad addresses or is it bad zip codes or they didn't do this right? Or, you know, working through those details. But, but overall, we haven't really done much marketing and things are going well. We're going to start marketing for the holiday season. And, and when we say marketing, it's really about just getting the word out there, letting people know. You know, Kickstarter is a small community in the sense that we were funded, but relatively uh, you know, small as far as people knowing we're there. People like you guys are great because you're helping us spread the word that we are here. And I think there's a very small section of, of gamers that know we exist right now. So our biggest challenge is getting out to all those gamers and say, hey, we're here. It's really cool. Check it out. And we know like every gamer does, they're going to go check the reviews. And we encourage them to do that. We think we got some great press and people have really enjoyed it. Um, and then hopefully they come back to us and say, we want them to rest assured, hey, I buy it today. We're, I'm going to get it for the holidays. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, Brian, do you have any more questions before we go into the end game? No, I think we're good to, to end with our uh, a little questionnaire. All right. Um, so, yeah, as we said in the beginning, um, we kind of like to, to end with this questionnaire. It's a bit inspired by the Inside the Actor Studio, but we take a, a definitely kind of gaming gate okay. and, then, and then have some fun with it. Um, so it's all, it's all about you. Um, you know, if you need time to think, please take some. Uh, but I can we'll always ahead. edit it out in post. That's right. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> That's has okay. to know. That's okay. All right. First question: um, Who's your favorite um, video game protagonist? Hmm. That's a really good question. Yep. Um. Wow. All right. So here's my challenge. Uh, generally, I'm a. I, you know, my game of choice are FPSs, genres, mm-hmm. and it's racing. So as far as protagonist, antagonist, it's difficult because I, I don't... Well, actually, no. Uh, Zelda, right? Okay. All right. Yeah. That was, yeah. So when I think about it, what would the... There's very few, and I'll be honest with you guys, there's very few first-person uh, games that I play just for story. But Zelda was something that I always thought was just some my hero, I guess. So I'd say Zelda. Awesome. Quick right, side... So- Quick side question. Favorite car to drive in in a racing game? Oh, God. Uh, I would say Gran Turismo, and it wasn't this one. It was the last one, and I would say the RS2000. Mm. All right, cool. I like little nimble cars. I thought it was a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, so flipping the first question on its head, who's your favorite antagonist? Hmm. Let's think about that. So antagonist. I will accept what? Razor Callahan. <laughs> wow, I mean, it, it's so tough. It, it's so tough um, to think about. All right, so I'm going to say that you guys might have to help me with the name because it's been a while. In uh, Mario 64, uh, the dragon at the end, or what was his name? The Oh, God, I'm trying to blank. Bowser? Here. Bowser, yep. All right. Good. I know. Classic I Nintendo character. Yeah, yeah I mean, absolutely. Those yeah. resonated Perfectly because acceptable. when I was a kid. Sure. You know, again, yeah. the, the, this new stuff, I've got to be honest. Sometimes the games are so filled with everything, I don't really pay attention to plot. I'm just worried about getting to the next thing or the next thing I'm supposed to do. And I never really get too caught up in the emotional parts. But some as a kid, Zelda, Bowser, like those resonated, you know? I think it has something to do with uh, playing those games over and over again. That you yeah, kind of yeah. you build up how great the hero or bad the villain is because you just 
do it so many times. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the thing too. They seemed back then, or maybe it's just I was young, but so much like you'd spend so much time around getting to the boss, and then the boss fight you'd have to redo, redo, redo because you get messing up. And it seems like now it's just there's so many other things that are going on with the storyline and twists and backstabbing, and it's like I never have that pure storyline anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the boss became mythic in your head, not because of anything the game told you, just because you had to play the game twenty times before you actually exactly the boss. Right, sure. exactly. Yeah. All right. Next question. Um, with everything going on in gaming right now, um, what's a trend that you would like to see continue? I'd like to see uh, indie games uh, really flourish. Um, I am so not a fan of a lot of the content that comes out right now because I feel that it lost the purest aspect of a lot of the things that gamers um, originally played games for. And let me give you an example. So, you know, whether you like Counter-Strike or not, and whether you like Steam or, you know, or Valve, I should say, you know, when they developed it, the concept was you had a simple game with relatively simple setups, and it really illustrated the purest mentality of we're just going out there to play this round this way and shoot. And, and now it's if you look at the newer games, and I don't say I dislike Battlefield or dislike Advanced Warfare, but there's level ups and there's this and there's this unlock, and that leads to that unlock, which leads to this unlock. And I miss the purest sense of games. And when I look at games like uh, seven days to die when I actually uh, you know met the guys who created that fun pimps and had a great time with them um, and I look at other indie games that are starting off where it, it, it's it's not about graphics and it's not about uh, you know fancy unlocks or DLC or all these crazy things they're doing it's really just about creating a $30 game that's a lot a lot of fun or a $10 game that's a lot a lot of fun it's very simple but you know what you play that game because you enjoy the mechanics of it and you enjoy the actual game of it and and I think that I love the indie community because I think they do this every day and I think that we just need to give them more praise and I wish you could really bring uh, them to the Xbox and the PS but you can't and so hopefully the Steam system takes off the Steam box and you know hopefully that brings some of them there That's excellent. Um, so, uh, flipping this question, um, what would you like to see com- like go away? What's your least favorite? <laughs> My le- DLC. Yeah, DLC. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, I, I think it is a ridiculous concept. I bought Far Cry 4. I love Far Cry 4. I, it is exactly what I just said I don't like. But of course, I like indie games. But Far Cry 4, I always like the series, right? So I thought it's a cool concept. Open world FPS. Stories minimum. I get to go around and kind of see the scenery. And I think it's pretty cool. And I play really yeah, Far slow. Far Cry is always, especially the last two, have been more about what you do exploring than really what the story is all about. Yeah, anymore. and it was great. And then they said, you know, oh, well, if you pay another 30 bucks and you want to support the game, you get day one downloads and five extra weapons and all this. Other. And I never even got it. I bought it. It never even came through. I heard a lot of people <laughs> with the same problem. And then on top of that, I'm like, I just paid $30 for nothing. And I feel like, okay, season pass. So that means there's tons more of this. And I don't think gamers, like when I was 16, 17, I had to work really hard to buy a video game. And I think it is so unfair that they charge $60 for a game plus 30 to get DLC plus when the next update comes out. And to me, it's like, you know, these poor kids, it's hard enough to make money for anyone these days. But when you're young, it's really hard. And that's why these guys are just pigeonholed into the games they buy. And if you make the bad game, you can't even return it. So you're really in trouble. Yep. Sure. Yeah. As uh, both accurate and fair enough. <clears throat> um, next question. Uh, you've already got like a really great job. Um, is there any other 
thing you would like to try, any other profession you'd like to give a shot to, once, obviously, once this takes off and you are swimming in, like, Uncle Scrooge <laughs> levels of money? Uh, uh, well, I, I, I wish that was the case, but I, I, I don't uh, know about that yet. But um, <laughs> I, I think, you know, and I don't know if I'll ever get to do it, um, and I probably won't, but I can not ashamed to say that I would have loved to have been a pilot. Um, it is something that I really uh, enjoy, and I've studied it, and, uh, you know, I've never – I've never had the ability to get a pilot's license. And even if something as simple as if one day I could get a pilot's license, I think I would be over the moon. I love playing X-Plane and learning about planes and studying the physics. I think it's one of the most amazing things in the world, as Louis C.K. said, that you know you can be on a seat traveling at 500 miles an hour through the sky. And I just think that is like an amazing concept. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Next question. This, this is, has a little bit of buildup to it. Um, have you ever seen John Carpenter's Escape from L.A.? Uh, yes, I have, yes. Okay, perfect. So, you know, at the end of the movie, Snake has the little remote control for all the satellites that EMP the world and send us yep, back to the Stone the world Age. down, yep. Exactly. Um, you get a memo, and I'm so glad you know that because that makes this explanation so much easier. Um, <laughs> you get a memo that says that that's going to happen tomorrow. What game do you play tonight? Okay, so firstly, I'll tell you, Escape from New York was actually my favorite favorite. Far, uh, but... <laughs> far more superior to L.A. <laughs> right, but I do like the concept in L.A. that you shut down the world and you send us all back. So that I appreciate. And that Snake Plissken, I mean, what a great character that oh, man. is. Um, so if I had one game to play, hmm, that's kind of like saying, what's your last meal, right? Now, so would it be current or do I want to be nostalgic? But I guess I have to pick that, right? Yep. Yes. It's totally uh, up to you. Right. Um, I think that if I wanted to sum up my life and I wanted to remember things about from childhood up into what I do now, I think I'll never replace the days that I first got my, uh, you know, 8-bit Nintendo and I was playing um, Mario, the first one that came out, um, Mario Brothers. Um, I think that was what started this path for me. Because I realized back then that um, there was something really to this. And I got, you know, a lot of people throughout my life, especially through my 20s, would make fun of me on Friday nights uh, for staying in and playing video games or talking to my clan or having different things. Even when I had a job and I was very professional in marketing and working, I would stay home and people couldn't understand that. And I think it all stemmed from my mom coming by and bringing me a sandwich. And she just let me do that because she thought, and she would always say this to me, uh, I'm so impressed at how much time you can spend in this and try to beat your goal. So I think I would have to say Mario Brothers, the original. That's awesome. Good stuff. Uh, final question. Um, uh, at the end of our lives, uh, when we come to the gates of the Mushroom Kingdom and uh, Toad is waiting with the Book of Our Deeds, uh, what would you like him to say to you before he lets you in? Hmm. Was it worth it? No, I like that. You want him to ask you a question. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I want to validate it. I just want to be able to tell someone before I go that it was worth it. It was absolutely worth it. Yep. <laughs> it would do again. <laughs> yeah. You know, what someone once said to me, uh, life is not a rehearsal. We only get one shot, and that's mm -hmm. how you got to live it. Sure, yeah. It's good stuff. That's it. You passed. That's the last question. Well, thank you very much. 
Thank you, guys. Um, it was a pleasure speaking with you, and I love the brain challenges at the end. That was really great. <laughs> and uh, I know I can be long-winded and fast-talking sometimes, so I apologize if that was quick. But uh, uh, I really appreciate you guys taking the time, and uh, I hope you um, – you know, uh, we continue to talk eventually when we have new things going on and can keep each other updated. Absolutely. Well, Seth, I just want to thank you um, for uh, for sitting down and talking with us tonight on a you know late Monday night when brains aren't working and phones are ringing and stuff like that. If you could just send us out by letting our listeners know where they can go to find out more information about CoreFX. Absolutely. Absolutely. I will certainly do that. Um, it's CoreFX.com. Uh, or our Twitter is uh, at CoreFX Haptics. And we're also on YouTube at uh, handle CoreFX Haptics. And you can find us in any of those three places. Uh, like I said before, the vest right now is 150. We're trying to ship it out as fast as possible. And I can personally guarantee that it should ship within one or two days uh, right now. And hopefully we'll get that even sooner for you guys. And we thank everyone for uh, supporting the project. And we have a great forums. So please feel free to drop on there. And I personally am on the forums all the time. And we'll personally help you with any of the questions you have. That that is a lot of personal promises. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I can tell you, I can tell you, everything we say is what we try to do, and I and I think if you check the forums and you check it, we're we're everywhere. I mean, this is our job. Yeah. This is what the team is committed to. So hopefully, we won't break any promises. But but I can I can tell you from um, the team's perspective, uh, we're really dedicated and want to see people happy, and that that's our most thing. And look, if there's not if there's a problem with the vest, we'll take care of it for you. That's awesome. Well. Again, thank you so much, and good luck with the the holiday season that is here and getting those out there. Hopefully, it will be great for you guys, and look forward to hearing more from uh, Immerse. Thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate it. You guys have a great night. You too. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye.